Flint Hill Baptist Church exists to glorify God by gathering, growing, giving, and going in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Find out more at flinthill.net. Amen means in agreement. Amen. Y'all in agreement this morning? It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. It's good to worship. Amen. Man, goodness. I told Gavin we got to have more of it. I need more of it. I do. I love to worship the Lord, sing praises. And it's not about me. I, you know, I understand that. <clears throat> it's about us when we gather together. You know, one thing we're going to be doing for all eternity is praising the Lord. Amen. And we're going to be doing it. Now, I know some of y'all say, well, I don't sing that well. It's not about how well you sing. It's not. It's about your heart, about just lifting high the holy name of Jesus Christ. Um, I love that song we sang earlier. You know, Mary, when was, she was given this great news that she was going to give birth to the Messiah. I mean, it, we're going to look at that in just a moment. In fact, the message today is, why Mary? Why Mary? I don't know if you've even thought about that. Why in the world did the Lord choose Mary? Of all people. Right? There are other people out there uh, in Nazareth that he could have called forth, could have chosen. But why her? That's a good question. I, you know, at least my brain asks it. So, so maybe, maybe we can, uh, we're going to get to that. But, when, when, but, but, here, but here's the thing. You know, when we come to Mary, you know, so oftentimes some people, um, you know, in the history of theology, man, they'll take Mary to a place that I don't think Mary ever thought she would go as far as some of the theology. And then sometimes we go the other way. We don't even mention her sometimes during Christmas, you know. Uh, but I will tell you, Mary, uh, you know, in her song, in her response, when, when, when she visits Elizabeth, uh, and, I'm, and by the way, I, you can join with me in Luke chapter 1. We're going to be there. That's where the text is going to be. But I'm jumping over. I'm, I had not got to the text yet. Y'all hold on. All right. In verse 46, Mary said, and this is in her response. That was that song she begins to sing. My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. She knew she needed a Savior. She was just like any other woman, any other person, a Jewish person. They knew that they needed a Messiah, and she certainly knew that and was so delighted not just to give birth to the Messiah, but she knew what that meant. That meant salvation from sin. That meant finally, finally the Messiah has come. The Savior will be born, uh, which means His kingdom is birthed. That means salvation has come to all humanity, to all people. There's now an opportunity for us to know Christ personally, know forgiveness of sin. So when I say, man, I just love to sing, love to sing, love to praise the Lord. I do. I love it. Wednesday night, we're going to get to praise Him. Right? Christmas at Flint Hill. Is that right? All right. Amen. He's like, yes, sir. I'm so old now. Listen to you. I'm so old. But man, we're going to gather on Wednesday night to worship. Worship the Lord. All right. Luke chapter 1. If you got your Bibles open to verse 26, let me just read these verses. This is where we're going to come from today. In, in the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at the words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, who will be great. He will be called Son of the Most High. 
The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. Why, why, why Mary? Why Mary? Why did God reach down from heaven and choose Mary in, for this moment? Uh, there, there's a lot we don't know about Mary, but what we do know, uh, like Joseph, she was of the tribe of Judah and the lineage of David. We know that. Uh, she was also cousin to Elizabeth. We know that in the next passage of Scripture. Uh, Elizabeth was from the tribe of Levi and the lineage of Aaron. Uh, and we also know she was betrothed. We'll get to that a little bit later to Joseph of Nazareth. Uh, there's not a whole lot we know about her. I mean, when we look at her background, uh, we know a little bit about where she's from, most likely a native of Nazareth. And, and most commentators, most scholars think that she didn't have a whole lot. I mean, as far as like uh, monetary, you know, money or material things, some will say that she probably came from a relatively poor family. I mean, you can see this when they're, they're doing the census and they have to go on this trip, which is a long journey. And I know, I know, I know, much has been said. There's no room for them in the end. And we just sang a song, make room for, for the Lord, not for Mary, for the Lord, right? Um, but the truth is, I mean, they didn't have a lot of means. I mean, if they would have had a whole lot of money, they'd have made, somebody had made room for them somewhere. I mean, I mean, let's just be honest. They didn't have a whole lot of means. And so most likely, that's why they're in a stable. That's why she's given birth. Uh, literally, it's a carved out area in the side of the hill, uh, and Jesus was put in a trough. I mean, that's because they didn't have a whole lot of money. Uh, in addition to that, why Mary? Why Mary? First and foremost, we would say to fulfillment of prophecy. We know this. Isaiah uh, reminds us in chapter 7, verse 14, the virgin will be with a child and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Why Mary from Galilee? Now, it's interesting. We just read some scripture about the prophecy fulfilled. But let, let me... Remind us of this. Uh, Wiersbe kind of helps us here. Why Galilee? Why Galilee of all places? Uh, unfortunately, the people in Judah did, had a disdain for the Jews in Galilee, believe it or not, just to remind us. They claimed they were not uh, true Jews, in a sense. They weren't pure in the purest of sense. Why? If we had a map here today, Galilee's up there near Samaria. And so they would have said, hey, it kind of fringes on that line. You're kind of interacting with them people up there called uh, Samaritans. I mean, you know that. You know the history of Jesus and the Samaritan woman. You know the disdain that there was from there. And all of a sudden, we've got, uh, we've got Mary who's from that region. And, and we know that she would have been in contact with Gentiles. That would have been a common thing. Why, why Mary? Why Mary? Why Mary from Nazareth? The Jews especially despised uh, Jews from Nazareth. We don't know all of the reason, but I'm just reminding you in John chapter 1, remember this? When Philip found Nathanael and told him, hey, we found the one who Moses wrote about in the law, uh, of whom the prophets wrote about. Remember his response? Uh, uh, oh, he says this. He says, remember the prophets who wrote about? He says, it's Jesus of Nazareth. That's what he tells him, the son of Joseph. He says, Nathanael responds, Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? I mean, that was the kind of the overtures and the, the, the comments that were being made 
about this region, about this area. So why Mary? Honestly, why Mary? Why there? Why in Galilee? Why in Nazareth? Why in this place? And it was mentioned earlier, why in this place where it seems so obscure? You would think, no, let's pick a better place to choose somebody, right? Maybe pick somebody who has more means than that. Maybe has a, more money or more privilege or more esteem. You know, I think Wiersbe says it best, but in God, but God in his grace chose a girl from Nazareth in Galilee to be the mother of the promised Messiah. It's all about God's grace. God's grace. She didn't earn it. She didn't uh, do anything to say, hey, choose me, pick me. She didn't even think that she could have been even the one chosen. I can imagine if, we, if they would have taken a poll, who of y'all think is going to be the mother of Jesus? She probably wouldn't even have raised her hand. Most likely she was of, she was of no prominence in her area. Yet God in his grace reached down from heaven and chose her. Man, isn't this just a picture of salvation? I mean, who are we? I mean, who am I? Honestly. I mean, who are we to come before Jesus and say, yeah, pick me, choose me. I'm the one. I'm the man. Yeah, use me here. Oh, yeah, I got all this and that, whatever. No, it's by God's grace. And even we see in the birth of the Savior, God grace in choosing Mary. So in one sense, I mean, we would say, why Mary? It's purely God's grace. And we could all resonate with that as well. Why us? Why me? Why now? Why here? It's purely by God's grace, God's design. God has a plan and a purpose in our lives right here, right now, that he's working for his glory. I hope you hear me say that, church. We're not just here by accident. You're not here by accident this morning. You're not here in this area, this community, just because you decided to move here. Or to show up on Sunday morning. Listen, God has a reason and a plan and a purpose. And he's working that out. And we see that clearly even in Mary's life here. So why Mary? It's all about God and his grace. And, not, and that hasn't changed at all. Yet, yet, I want us to look here. Because Gabriel, the angel, comes. And I wish I could have been there on that day. I mean, don't you? I mean, do y'all ever read the Bible and go, man, what, what would that have been like? You know, ain't... Gabriel shows up. I wonder what Gabriel looks like. You know, we got all them pictures, you know, we draw. I just wonder. Because he's a little nervous. I mean, I'm, let's just be honest. I would be too. I mean, if he showed up right now, whoo, it'd be something. It'd change his service in a heartbeat, wouldn't it? <laughs> I think these things. I know. I'm, I'm telling you. I'm up early in the morning thinking, what if? What if? Today's the day Gabriel shows up. Whoa, has a word for us. Man, I tell you what, we'd listen on that part, wouldn't we? Everybody'd be like, uh oh, come on. Something's about to happen up in here. Mary could feel the same thing. I can't, I'm sorry, I digress. My mind goes places. But what if we were there? But anyway, so Gabriel shows up. And he reveals himself. And he begins to say to Mary, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. So when I look at why Mary, why Mary? First thing I'm going to look at is Gabriel's proclamation. Gabriel's proclamation of Mary, his assessment, his charge. In other words, the words he's to speak. He's a messenger of the Lord. He's giving God's word to this woman, this young lady, actually, young lady. Back in that day, she, I mean, we don't know how old Mary was. I mean, it's going to mess some of you parents up, but she could have been young as 13 years old. 14, who knows? 15, I mean, we don't know. We don't know. We don't know. Yet on this day, man, God's servant gives this word, this word to this young lady. And you know what he says? You're highly favored, and the Lord 
is with you. So I want, to, I want us to look, first of all, why Mary? Well, I want, let's look at God, at Gabriel's proclamation. It's the word of God for her. No, first of all, she's highly favored. What does that word mean? It means greatly graced by God. That's the phrase there, greatly graced by God. Um, Matthew Henry makes a comment here. What, what was the purpose of this greeting? Uh, uh, for one, I mean, no doubt. I mean, you can only imagine if, we, if you would have been the recipient of this moment, it would have increased my value in who I thought I really was, wouldn't it? I mean, when God speaks into your heart, See, I mean, listen, God's still doing this today. I hope you're hearing me. Uh, it's one thing for you to do an assessment of who you are or your friends or your family or your mom or your dad saying, oh, you're this and you're that. But it's when God speaks to you and your heart and your life and says, you're highly favored. Great grace is abounding in your life. I mean, that's exactly the word that he brings to him. By the way, let me just remind all of us. And I believe, I have no doubt that this encouraged and brought great value to her uh, in this moment. Uh, kind of lifted her up. Listen, even in, the, in, the, even in his revelation, uh, uh, bringing kind of this uh, emotional response of her, not really sure what was happening in this moment. The words that he spoke encouraged her. Maybe even helped her to think of herself, maybe like she's never thought of herself before. The value that God has placed on her when the word's spoken, you're Greatly graced. You're highly favored. Let me remind you, this phrase is only used twice in the New Testament. Right here, and some of y'all know this, some of y'all with me, in Ephesians chapter 1. Some of y'all been with me on Wednesday night. Y'all know in Ephesians chapter 1, you don't have to turn there right now, you can turn later. Right? This is in the, it's in that chapter 1, it's in that section, that real long verse in the midst of that. It says, you're greatly graced by the Lord. Every spiritual blessings in the heavenly has been unleashed in your life and in my life as a child of God. You're greatly graced. That's the way God looks at you. That's the word that God has for me and you today. Please hear me. You are greatly graced. You don't like one thing, one thing in this world in which we live right now. As a child of God, you have everything you need for life and God. And it's not just for here, but forevermore. That's great grace is abounding in our lives. Now, I get it. Sometimes I don't feel like I'm full of great grace. And there's, this reminds me to sing, Gavin. Sing, grace. Grace greater than all my sin. Y'all might know that song. It's grace. Grace. Highly favored. Highly favored. That's the proclamation. He says you're highly favored. But not only that, he says the Lord is with you. The presence of God is with you, Mary. God is abounding His grace, His manifestation to you. But not only that, but His presence is with you. The Lord is with you. Man, what does this word mean to Mary? Good night. Those words, the Lord is with you. How many times throughout Scripture that word has been given to God's people and it's brought encouragement to them in the midst of distress or troubled times or uncertainty? God is with you. God is with you. The Lord is with you, Mary. That's the proclamation that Gabriel gave uh, to Mary in this moment. In all the uncertainty, in all the things at this moment, in all this proclamation that you're going to give birth to the Messiah, and all that this means, listen, you're not alone. I'll be with you every step of the way. It's a beautiful, isn't that a beautiful word? Let me remind you, it's the same word that God's given to us as well as children of God. In fact, that word, the Lord, the Lord is with you. I mean, it's, it's a picture. I mean, look, think about it this way. 
God is with Mary spiritually. His favor rests upon her. His word is for her, but he's also with her physically. I do believe in the virgin birth of Christ. The Bible tells us of the virgin birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He wasn't born of a man. He was born of God. I mean, and, and, and Mary, now hold on now. Mary literally is going to have God in her and give birth to the fully God, fully man, Jesus. Wrap your mind around that one for a moment. Now, hold on now. How, why is this so important for me and you? Listen, this is a picture of new birth. This is a picture of regeneration. Listen, if you don't believe in the virgin birth of Mary, if you don't believe that God can come down and take residence inside of a person, then, friend, you probably don't believe in being born again. The regeneration of what God can do in us. Friend, that's a picture of the New Testament conversion and regeneration. When I call upon the name of the Lord, how do I know I'm, how do I know I'm a Christian? Because God Almighty has now taken up residence in our hearts. This is a, are y'all with me? This is a, that's why it's so theologically important here. We don't dismiss this. We don't say, oh, it's a made-up hoax. It's a story. Mm -mm, mm -mm. If you say that, then you're throwing away a lot of Scripture here in the New Testament. But it's great theological truth. The virgin birth. Why? Fully God takes up residence inside of Mary. It's a picture of what happens in every child of God. And by the way, when we confess Christ and turn to him, you know what? Not only does God take up residence, but now the favor of God rests upon every child. His word spoken to Mary. You're highly favored. Y'all not listening. Turn to your neighbor right now. Tell them they're highly favored by the Lord. Go ahead and turn to them right now. Tell them you're highly favored of the Lord. Tell them. Thank you. Thank you, Royce. Thank you. Sometimes you got to let somebody know. Tell them you're highly favored. Sometimes I don't live like it. Feel like it. It doesn't matter. It's not about your feelings. God has said, I have given this to you. And how do I know that? Because he lives within our hearts. He is with us. Never going to leave us, nor forsake us. So this is the proclamation that Gabriel has given to Mary. Why Mary? Why Mary? So when I think about the favor of the Lord, how did, God, how did Mary find this favor? How did, when God looked at her and, and proclaimed this through the angel Gabriel, he said, you have found favor. Woman, you have found favor. In other words, he looked throughout the land and he discovered Mary and said, she's the one. So when I look at this passage of Scripture, I want us to look at it here in just a few moments. How did she find favor with the Lord? I mean, it's a valid question, isn't it? I mean, he said that of her, but how? Is there something going on in Mary's life that goes, well, that's the reason why I chose her? That's a valid question. How did she find favor? I'm glad you asked that. All right, so first thing is this. First thing we see is the purity of life. Purity of life. I, I, it's, it's, I've said this before. We've read it here. Uh, in the description, she is a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. First and foremost, purity of life, she's a virgin. Christ's mother was a virgin because he was not born of ordinary generation, but miraculous generation, right? It was necessary. Why? It, even though he partook of the nature of man, he wasn't partaking of the corruption of man. He who had no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. So in this moment, it's a virgin. She's a virgin and she is now taking on the seed, right? She is birthed now Christ, the Messiah. 
But make no mistake, she uh, is pure sexually. And this is highly regarded in Scripture in both Testaments, Old and New. God places great value on a sexual abstinence outside of marriage and fidelity within marriage. Her, her virginity was important. Why? Because the evidence of her godliness. In other words, she was pure of heart. It didn't just start on this moment. It was, some, it was decisions made long ago. No doubt she was probably a young lady in a home that taught the Word of God and modeled for her what a young lady ought to be as she moves forward through her life and adolescence. But it's not just that, right? I mean, good night. We've had many wonderful people in Christians' home and try to model what it means to love the Lord. But at some point, somewhere, each of us, just like Mary, made a decision and a choice. I will honor the Lord with my life. No different than us today. But she made that decision. How do we know that? Because even so, right now, the Bible's real clear. She was a virgin. She never had sex with a man. She was pledged to be married, but they hadn't consummated the marriage uh, agreement, relationship. Uh, so, so, now, so now, why is this important? It not only protects her moral character, but it also protects the, the legitimacy of Jesus' birth. In other words, her virginity protected the nature of the divine Son of God. Now, MacArthur goes on quite a bit here. If you know John, read his stuff. He goes on and on. I mean, in other words... She, now hold on, she made decisions back here, and she had no idea how that would impact the world. Not her, not her life, not her husband, not her family, but the world. Here we are reading about, and I'm proclaiming to you today about her and her decision that she made long before this moment. That positioned her in a way where God looked down from heaven and said, you're the one. How do we know the one? Because of the purity of her life. So I'm so thankful for Mary and her passion for purity. In this moment, um, MacArthur goes on. He says, had Jesus been conceived by the act of a man, whether Joseph or anybody else, he could not have been divine and could not have been the Savior that he proclaimed to be. In fact, the claims that he made about himself would have been lies. His resurrection and ascension would have been hopes made up by men. And you know what? We would be lost and forever condemned. Forever and ever and ever. There is no hope of salvation. So when we look at this moment, we see why, why did God choose her? Why did His favor rest upon her? First and foremost, I would say, purity of heart, purity of life. She was a virgin. But she was also, the Bible says, pledged to be married. Now this is interesting because, I, I mean, we, we make these pledges still today. And my son and, and daughter-in-law, Rachel, are going to get married next June, Right? Uh, so they've made that pledge, that announcement, that engagement. In the Jewish custom, uh, it was more than just an engagement in the sense that we, we have. I mean, in fact, legally, you were already married at betrothal. I mean, you were already committed. You were already there. You just hadn't consummated the marriage uh, uh, by having sex later on. I mean, that, that was a whole process. But now here's the deal. Uh, marriage was almost always in this time arranged by families. Uh, and, you know, I don't think, well, some people might still do that today, try to. Uh, but they would have done that. It would have been a contract. There would have, there would have been some kind of dowry paid, but it would have, it would have been a contract. So, so the bottom line is, there was two stages here. It was the betrothal and then the marriage ceremony itself. And in between those two moments, it could have been a year or longer between the two. 
And so we know from the scripture that she is in the pro- she has been pledged to be married to Joseph. So why, what does that mean? How does that speak to her purity? In this betrothal period, it served, best we can tell, as a time of probation or testing of fidelity or faithfulness in the marriage covenant. During this period of time, the bride and groom usually had little or in, uh, social interaction or contact. Uh, they certainly wouldn't have had any kind of sexual contact with each other. They would have never had that coming together. It goes back to the fact that when, when the angel t- says this about, to, to Mary, I mean, she's like, well, how can this be? I'm, I'm, I'm a virgin. I've never, I mean, she, in her mind, she's thinking, well, Joseph, Joseph and I haven't consummated the marriage. She's not even understanding the fullness of what's about to happen. My point is this. Even in this betrothal process, Mary was passionate about her faith in God. Even in this commitment, I mean, they had already made this legal con- betrothal, but she said, mm, we're going to honor the Lord even in our engagement, in this betrothal process. Why? Because she was a person that knew the word of God and what God wanted and expected from her. So in other words, her purity is, is rooted in her passion for her Lord. She honored his word and her faith tradition. Right? Now look, I mean, look, I, you can say what you want. I mean, this first century Jewish uh, young lady, listen, she, she lived on the edge of Samaria, whatever you want to say about that. There were other towns. There were other idols. There was mixed all kind of stuff going on, mixed messages. Listen, now you can say, well, it's worse today than it was back then. Maybe so, but sin is sin, and there's always a seduction to do things not God's way. And God has made it clear, this is what I want. This is what I expect. This is what I uh, want for my people to be pure. In fact, Jesus, I mean, look, take it up with the Lord. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart. For they will see the Lord. Purity has always been about God's plan and purpose for his people. And so here we see Mary, whose, whose purity of life is one of those things where the angel, uh, the Lord looks down and sends Gabriel and says, You're highly favored. Why? Because of the purity. The second thing is this, and I'm going to use the word because of her vulnerability. That's a fancy word. The invulnerable, what? With the angel and his pronouncement, but ultimately with God who brought that announcement. In fact, she says this clearly in the scripture we just read in verse 34. She says, how in the world is this going to happen? Now, it's very different from Zechariah. She doesn't seem to question the ability of God, but she's like really confused. She's like, I've never seen this. What do you mean? I mean, her emotions, you can imagine, are kind of out of whack right now. How in this is going to happen? And and I want to remind you, when we talk about being vulnerable, it's it's about being uh, sincere and real and maybe honest and vulnerable or transparent before the Lord. And in this moment, I I would say uh, she's experiencing all these things, this vulnerability. Brene Brown makes this comment about vulnerability. She says, says, at the heart of daring leadership is a deeply human truth that is rarely acknowledged. Courage and fear are, are not mutually exclusive. In other words, most of us feel brave and afraid at the same time. So when she heard the pronouncement from Gabriel, there was no doubt a mixed emotions going on. And in her response, well, how can this be? It's, it's not a questioning, can God do it? But it's like, I don't understand. I, I'm, I'm being honest with you, but I'm willing to trust you, even though I don't really understand what's about to happen here. I don't, I don't fully get it. And she's being vulnerable. She's being real. And so I want to submit to you, why, why did God choose her? Why is her life... Uh, uh, he says she's highly favored. Why does he reach down from heaven and, and pick Mary? Because she's willing to be just real and honest and humbled before the Lord. 
God's doing a new thing in Mary's life, obviously. I mean, good night. That's an understatement, is it not? Uh, I mean, really, she's doing a new thing. I mean, really, not, not just a new thing in her life, but a new thing in ever. I mean, she, when, when she, up to this point, she only knows one way to make a baby. I mean, let's be honest. She had no thought this was going to happen. And yet the pronouncement comes. And what does she do? She humbles herself and she's just being honest and transparent. How in the world is this going to happen? I'm a virgin. What I love about this and about this, con this passage, when God's about to do something new in our life, we have to be real and honest and vulnerable. I don't care how altogether you have it. If God's calling us to do something we've never done before, honestly, you're going to have fear and courage well up in the same heart. And at some point somewhere, you've got to be willing to step out and say, Lord, I don't really know how, but I want to trust you. And that's really the context where Mary kind of lands. She says, I don't know how, uh, but okay. And Blackerby would say it this way. It leads you to a crisis belief. Are you, are you, require, are you going to be willing to trust in the Lord and walk in that faithfulness. Now, I love it because in this moment of just vulnerability, I mean, I love what Gabriel says to her to encourage her in verse 37. He says, for nothing is impossible with God. And that's a beautiful testimony, is it not? I mean, that's exactly where he lands, and he's trying to encourage her. He said, like, I, can, I can see your tension. You're struggling in this moment. But let me remind you, nothing's impossible with God. The American Standard Version in 19.1 says, says this, For no word of God shall be void of power. Power. What God has said will do will come to pass. Amen? I mean, He has said it. You can count on it. God accomplishes His purposes through the power of His word. That's an understatement, but that's just the truth. And He spoke this word to Mary, and He spoke this word, and it came into fruition. Just like he spoke in the beginning, he created the heavens and the earth. And with ex nihilo, out of nothing, he spoke this world into an existence. And he spoke this baby into existence in the womb. And listen, he can speak things into existence in our life as well. When God calls us to something new, it's, yeah, it's tough, it's hard, it's an emotional roller coaster at times. But we can count on God's word and trust in him. So Mary, Mary was willing to be vulnerable. But not only that, look here, the next thing is this. Mary had a servant's heart. In light of all of this that takes place, I love her response in verse 38. In other words, Gabriel had a proclamation. He had an announcement. Now Mary has a proclamation as well. And what does she say? In light of everything that's happened here in these few verses, she says what? I am the Lord's servant. I'm the Lord's servant. That word doulos, it means the slave. I'm, I'm the Lord's slave. I'm the Lord's servant. I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to reverence my, uh, the Lord. I'm going to be thankful for the Lord. In fact, in the next verses, she glorifies the Lord. She's rejoicing. She's worshiping in God, my Savior. But she humbles herself and rejoices in Him. And, and I would submit to you, when it comes to doing God's will and God's way and God's purposes, it's, all, it's not about what we bring to the table. It's just being submissive and humble and acknowledging I'm your servant. If He's really my King, I'm His servant, and I'm going to do what He asked me to do. And Mary, at this at this point in her life, she comes to that point where she just, she just, she just lays it out on the line and goes, uh, Lord, I'm going to trust you. I I'm just going to do what you've asked me to do. 
Friend, nothing has changed when it comes to faith in Christ. If you come to faith to Jesus and you're telling Jesus what to do and how to do it and when to do it and you're going to tell him when you can come to church, when you can't come to church, when you can't serve, when you can't serve, and it's all about you, something's wrong. Mary gives us a picture here that it's not about us, but it's about humbling ourselves before the Lord. But not only that, not only does she have a servant's heart, but look at this, she has faith in God. Now, I know that angels already encouraged her, said nothing's impossible with God, and that's a beautiful word. And by the way, the word of God is full of of scripture that says all things are possible. God is able to meet every need we have. I'm talking about me and you personally, according to his riches and glory, over and over and over again. But at some point, it's not just the word, but at some point, we've got to appropriate that word in my life. How do we do that? We do it by faith, trusting in him. And I'm not talking about salvation now. I'm talking about trusting God is able to do what God has said he will do. In fact, he can do even more than I can ever ask or imagine. But how does she say this? How do we know this? She said, this is her response. I'm the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. That's where she humbly just submits and trusts and says, Lord, let it be. Lord, I believe in you. Lord, I'm trusting in you. Hebrews 11:6 6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please the Lord. Why? Anybody that comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Why Mary? Why Mary? I think it's because of the purity of her life, the vulnerability, the servant's heart, and her faith in God. Why Mary? I think one of the reasons why is because it's all about God's grace being made manifest in this moment. God chooses ordinary, obscure people to do extraordinary, miraculous things in the world in which we live. He did it in Mary's life, and he'll do it again today. And friend, I know, I get it, and I get it. We might be sitting here this morning going, I don't remember the last time God's done anything significant through my life. Or maybe you're sitting here going, Jay, I don't know if I can ever testify when God has done something supernatural through me or in me or around me and all that. Well, friend, today's a new day. We don't live in yesterday. We live today. And you know what God is saying? Today is a day of salvation. Today is a day where you look. I, listen, it's not just about some story some 2,000 years ago. It's about today, God birthing in me and you. A hope and expectancy and belief and trust. God is able to bring the past. What is it that God's wanting to do in your heart? Maybe brand new. Some of y'all are in a life of transition. Some of y'all are moving to a new place. Some of y'all have all kind of dreams and things going on. Some of you might be stuck in a rut right now. It really isn't about any of that. Do you believe? Is God really able are all things really possible with the Lord? Father, right now, I just come before you in the precious name of Jesus. I just want to say thank you for this morning, for this time, for this place that we can gather. God, your word is real. And, it, and I am so grateful, glory to God, that your word is relevant. And, and, and in one sense, I am so thankful for the testimony of Mary and her life and all that that means and how you chose her and you looked at her. And God, I pray in Jesus' name right here, right now, God, that you would reach down from heaven and remind us, touch us in a sense, just enlighten us, open the eyes of our heart. God, help us to see you, to know you better, to know the hope to which we've been called. God, stir our hearts to magnify your holy name.
God, can I be so bold to ask you to do something you've never done before? To reveal yourself to us personally? That we would see you in our daily walk, in our daily life, where we would acknowledge your presence among us. And God, that we would maybe fall down like Mary and say, Lord, whatever you want to do. God, I'm your servant. I, God, I know you don't have to. I know you don't have to. But I just want to ask. God, in this moment right now, I pray as we respond to this, this time, God, stir our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand with me this morning, church. They're going to lead us in a song of response. Friend, I want you to sing it unto the Lord. Take time with the Lord right now. If you need to make public a profession of faith, you come. If this is your day to come and say, I want to be a part of this church, and, and, and literally sink your life here, be a member here. Maybe profess Christ here and follow through believer's baptism. We're going to sing unto the Lord. You respond to the Lord this morning.